Uh, hi, welcome to Fortified Niche, the best wargaming review podcast that we've ever heard. <laughs> Joined today by my good compatriot, JC Dent, and I am your humble Allah host, Kassa. Today we're looking at Oathmark. Yeah, Oathmark Battles of the Lost Age is one of Osprey games. They have so many nowadays, it's hard to keep track. Yeah, but like, you know, it's good that they're giving... Uh, the smaller creators, uh, the, the ambitious types, a uh, place to expand. Otherwise, they might not find a publisher or would just have to go on drive through RPG and uh, rub elbows with everyone else in there, like D&D Oriental Adventures. Yeah. Oh, it's the Frostgrave guy. I knew it. I fucking knew that <laughs> name. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, 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 just, just I, I did want to mention that, but uh, I guess uh, <laughs> you noticing it uh, was a bit more uh, effective, I guess. Uh, written by Joseph A. McCullough of Frostgrave, Stargrave, Frostgrave 2nd Edition. Um, yeah, yeah. Many interesting, cool war Apparently, games. oh, he wrote a, a supplement for Middle Earth role-playing game. I, for a moment, I thought he worked on GW's uh, only good rule set uh, at, at some point. But no, that's the role-playing game. Oh, uh and Rangers of Shadow Deep, I believe, is mostly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we've we've discussed privately Rangers of Shadow Deep and uh, blunders of using. It is a game that exists, and you can buy. <laughs> well, it exists, and you can buy it. But uh, the issues we had with D twenty in that game don't really exist here, so that's nice. Yeah, the premise of the game is: um, Do you like generic fantasy? No, more generic. No, 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 no. more generic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically. Two large armies facing off against each other until there's only one large army left over, or one slightly smaller army. The game's actual premise would be the army building stuff, which we'll get to later. But for the rest, yeah, uh, what, uh, what, what you said is extremely right. The, everything that you'll see not rules-based is very generic. And then when you look into armies, by the way, the rules are given, they're also extremely generic. Yeah, but not generic in a way like... But Saga, for example, is generic, where every army has the exact same units, give or take. Except for the fantasy system, but that's different. But that game is so thematic in everything you do. Every option you take is like, yeah, I'm being a Viking, or yeah, I'm being like Chivalrous Knight, or I am like the Desert Wind, come to mess up some Crusaders. Yeah, like, even, in, even if you compare this to Saga Age of Magic, which is like, Saga works on having every, everyone have basically the same units, and then doing the heavy lifting via um, the saga boards. But then for Age of Magic, they added modifiers to all those simple units and they added the army-specific units that are really great. So, uh, yeah, so this is this is the, uh, the bad and sad kind of generic if you want to use your existing miniatures, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's even it's less... So I, I think the Warhammer Fantasy world is kind of really cool. Age of Sigmar's also has its strong perks. But this has, there's nothing to this. There's no heart, there's no soul, it's just well I had to write elves down so I wrote elves down and done! Yeah, like I think is the, this is the best the, the, the best place to talk about how boring reading it all was. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever encountered just, just this. So, so. I mean, I suggested we do this game because I was excited about it. I, I, I wanted to, like to, to know what yeah. what the real dealio is with this one, and it was like 
I don't know, this is uns uh, unsalted cracker of a rule book, which is very strange considering mm. that it's well formatted. It has good art. Uh, it looks real nice. And it's not badly not yeah. badly written, but it has this some sort of unspeakable, indescribable boredom about it. Just, just mundane. Like, and if you're coming to this game after finding like the miniatures, the miniatures themselves are, are rock uh, solid. Uh, uh, just, I'll mention I'll mention one thing. Look great, like they're as good as what make. I'll mention there. one thing about the miniatures and the art because I think the art in the in the rulebook is the of the miniatures. Those square shields that humans get are terrible, and I'll hear no word against it. it, it they are absolutely like you know. It's like you try to bake a, a a cheap Chinese knockoff of those like Roman shields, and then give it mm. to a low fantasy human infantry. So you know more leather armor than steel, and like those shields just like trip me off. But I guess we'll be able to talk more about miniatures later. Yeah, just wanted to just quick shout out to like the minis look great. Get the minis for other games like I mess these up with your magic guys or your 3d printed shops they look, they look yeah, fine yeah at some point i'd say they look better than mantic stuff uh i think modern mantic looks a lot better but these guys like any of the old skeleton guys the, yeah, yeah yeah we can quibble all yeah, day about yeah. that <laughs> well yeah we could we could talk about miniatures all day all night but uh i don't know if uh if there's a worse uh medium for miniature to, miniature discussion than a podcast it's highly visual medium yeah it's um, so, so after our copyright, our contents, our half a paragraph of setting, we get to our basics, which is some of the most basic basics I've seen in any game. This seems to presume that you've never played a war game before, but have found Oathmark yeah, first. Yeah, it, it, it goes really basic into the what is the RPG thing, mm. but like, you know, for war games. So I guess he has the uh, Stanley atti Stanley's attitude of... Uh, <laughs> Every war game is somebody's first war game, which is not true. I, I think that's a fair attitude to have. And approaching every rulebook is like, teach me as if I didn't know anything is is fine and valid. Like, not everyone has actually played Warhammer Fantasy yeah. Battles for like four editions. So I could come into this fresh. I could be like, but I don't know how I find Oathmark. As like a person who wants to play a fantasy game, I'm not finding anything else in the meantime. Yeah, it's. Uh, as with anything uh, Osprey produces or what you get of drive through RPG, it's really doubtful that it's going to be the first thing of the genre that you're going to get in. Yeah, if, if you're on drive through RPG, this is not your first RPG. Yeah, if, if you're on Osprey, it's probably not your first rodeo. The, the, most, the, the most I can see this happening is if uh, one of your grandmas goes into a hobby, sh hobby store and they somehow have a physical copy of an Osprey war game on the shelf and they just buy it because that's how grandma brains work. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. My little Jimmy wants the um the big fantasy war game for miniatures and stuff. What do they buy? Oh, that one? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in the end, it's, it, it is a fairly uh, basic game. It's actually, you are more than welcome to use your... Uh, and not the, the Warhammer Fantasy miniatures that you haven't rebased yet, with some caveats. It's uh, like, you know, regular infantry is a 25 by 25 millimeter square, uh, and you do rank and flank. Yeah, if you still got your guys floating around, I can think of other ways you could use it, but it's definitely an yeah, option. Yeah. The first big change you see is that it goes from, um, it uses D10s when most other big fantasy games, or most board games that I've seen are still using D6s even. 
atypical uh, saga. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yesterday I got a really good demonstration of the uh, how uh, difficult the D6s can be on you because I was playing the new kill team. And when you have a 16% chance of rolling a critical on every dice, it can get really deadly real soon. So maybe I appreciate them using a D10. It lets you keep it nice smooth. Right, I guess the D6 is a smooth curve, but this is like, like a smoother, more steps, more gradients, more points of... Well, for any listeners out there, you should know that uh, Cass is the one who knows and uh, really can understand the... Curves and maths stuff. I can just I, ju I just look at this. Yeah, you go to anydice.com. Yes. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, you, you you have a premium subscription to that one, even if it even if it doesn't exist. Oh yeah, and um, all the fanciest graphs. Uh, it uses inches, which I hate and should be removed from all wargaming because an inch isn't a real unit yeah. measurement. Get over it, America. I, I yeah yeah, but like you know, it's one of those things we get. We can we will never eradicate from the hobby. So yeah, yeah, all my all my board gaming tape measures are in inches. All my widgets are in inches. Like it's yeah, the way it is. Yeah. You know, you just accept it like a fake made up measurement, like the squares and circles in Kill Team. Ooh, a fantastical yard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I do honestly do appreciate them approaching. that just like this is what you need. This is me giving you like straight up. You would. The table is this is what the game starts at two by four up to four by six or something even larger. Makes a point that you should play with yeah, terrain. Yeah. Like they say you can play without terrain, which is not going to be fun for anyone unless you're the elves with your bows or anyone with bows. Yeah. Really. Well, uh, as always, it's good to hear uh, to hear people recommend using terrain on the table because uh, few things are sadder mm. than a bare table. Yeah, even it's like, it says using books and like actual physical rocks, which yeah, like go nuts. If that's what you've got, that's what you've got. As long as it's not bare styrofoam, like a uh, world tournament, <laughs> that's whatever. Well, like, you mean, uh, not... It's all secondary to the miniatures. Well, you know, bare, bare foam, like not everyone's playing in a London tournament, right? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we get to playing the game is where they introduce all the rules and such. And they start with the figures. Yeah. And if you've played his Frostgrave, you've probably familiar with the stat line, it's much like many other mechanics. It's just uh, their activation skill, which is you need that number or above to activate them. Yeah, because it's a roll high game. I think, game. I, think, I think activation is the one place where you want to roll uh, higher and the others is low, lower. I don't remember. But I think it's the only the one the one stat in the game that goes the opposite direction of bigger being better because you want to have say high defense but you want to have activation real low because the human is activation five and then elf is activation three so oh no you, you're always rolling high but a low activation means you activate no. more often a high defense is harder to get lower because you get bonus bonus successes yeah, get yeah better. right right you are right yeah so act activation five which is I guess above average barely. So this human soldier is their first option. They give the example like person, the guy you're ranking up up to yeah. fifteen. Yeah, uh, activates on fives or better. Move of six inches. Uh, fights on a their fight value is two, yeah. which you subtract from. I mean, their shoot value is zero, so they haven't got ranged weapons, which is a problem. I'll get <laughs> to later. Sort of. Uh, their defense is nine, which is what you're trying to equal or better on, on your roll. Um, your combat dice, which every human soldier has yeah. one. And their health is one. That's how much damage they can take before they become a casualty. 
Uh, he's worth 12 points, which is armor building special rules. In this case, shielding one, which is not relevant. And the base size, which is 25 by 25 square, which is common for most um, single human or yeah. figures. And then their equipment, which is hand weapon, shield, light armor, which yeah, doesn't it, matter because equipment is almost completely whatever you want yeah, to do. It, 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 if you want to give like a hand weapon to swords, yeah, it's nev it never matters except if you want to model them accurately to the game's setting or something. But even then, it doesn't matter. It's just hand weapon, shield, light armor. You're never equipping your dudes. You're not never buying equipment for them, and I don't think really I don't think rules really interface that much with what equipment you have, as everything is rolled into your uh, stat line already. So you know it's there just to be there. Yeah, there are things like uh, magic items you can buy later on, but they're optional rules and they're not yeah. super exciting. I think the figure stat line's fine. It's, it's almost I would say it's almost too big, but it's, well, yeah, less smaller stat lines, shorter yeah. games. <laughs> Well, you know, it's. I think it's. It really shows that it's a Frostgrave game, and uh, I mean, the guy by uh, mm. the, the, made by a guy from Frostgrave because you don't really get an armor save. You just like you know roll against defense, and uh, if you roll good, the enemy dies. Which is fine. Like it's less dice rolling. If you're not making eight dice interactions to remove an enemy figure, that's fine by me. I think that's not really. Well, as the world's uh, number one hater of mortal wounds and how they remove troopers without you being able to do anything, even if the whole able to do anything is just rolling the dice you can get to roll. It's like, you know, that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, rolling dice is fun. That's not, let's not say it's not. Uh, yeah, so the old Frostgrave was move, fight, shoot, attack, oh wait, no, armor, wounds, and health. Okay. So it's kind of combined those. And then point value. Yeah, then we go into units themselves in further detail. Uh, so unit sizes, we've got 25 mil square, which is your ranks of dudes up one to 20 figures, yeah. where they're multiples of five. So you can't have multiples of six because that doesn't make sense in this world yeah, for some reason. Yeah. And it, you only go up to 20 dudes in a unit. And for cavalry, you only go up to 10, which will get relevant once we get deeper into the combat rules. Uh, yeah, cavalry are on 25 by 50 bases, which is rectangles. Yeah. Larger critters are on 50 by 50, which isn't that big. They're only 1 to 3 for those guys. I think this is... And dragons are on 50 by 100. I think this is channeling uh, uh, Warhammer Fantasy before uh, Games Workshop got really good at making obnoxious large, large uh, like, you know, monsters. So this is for uh, smaller stuff from yeah. the older age. And I guess this is where the unit sizes come come into play because, like, you know, I think uh, maybe you played more Warhammer Fantasy than me. Well, it's easy. I never played it. But, like, the units are capped at, at 20 dudes, so you can't really go over overboard with making, a, like, you know, a huge chunker unit. And that's, I guess that's fine if that's what you want. Um... Kings of War gets around that by letting you use dioramas and individual casualties isn't art a thing. Warhammer Fantasy was like, yeah, each guy matters. Like, um, I guess this is more similar to what A Song of Ice and Fire is doing then. They have uh, 20 man ranks, 20 man units for this kind of thing. I wonder how much that DNA this game has. It's a game I'm aware of but haven't played. I, I, I'm aware uh, that, uh, of that game existing and I know that the Duncan is painting miniatures for it. But uh, I don't know anything about it mechanically. 
what I've seen of it played, it looks really, really sharp, really, really honed to what it wants to be. Well, maybe once we're bigger and a more Unlike. successful podcast, we could look take a look at that one as well and <laughs> criticize it to bits. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, some units can be mixed, which I guess if you have like a, a larger critter champion, you can join. 25 by 25 squad i i don't think i don't know if that really happens but i it's it usually will come into question with artillery which usually has the artillery piece and the uh the uh, other miniatures with it so in each unit you've got a designated officer officers don't do anything special uh i apart from operating as your own line of sight point but there's not like a sergeant of sort of other games but like, like an extra attack yeah if you, if you don't get the heroes uh, put into units which are basically like officer upgrades the officer is your i don't know the officer basically the game hangs a lot on the officer in that you measure line of sight from it measure movement from it and you can even like you know turn the officer around to mark if the unit has been activated or something so it's very 80 43 like that no I, I i don't i don't much remember but i think that game measured from officers i i mean i like it i like the idea it's um here's a guy in charge legion does that sort of thing a similar thing as i'm measuring from the officer for everything yeah yeah and i and and since he is always the last removed from the unit so you don't have to worry about officer replacements and stuff uh yeah you can't get sniped yeah. which is fun but it, you don't really need to snipe him because it wouldn't do anything so well it, it mm. goes a bit differently once you start putting in heroes but th that's for later for now it's for now it's a decent enough rank and flanking game so you like you have your front left rear uh all the good stuff that uh, i find missing in age of sigmar uh facing is really sim uh, simple as well you only can you only consider full ranks so unit of 12 doesn't have a, a lot a, a third rank essentially just two ranks yep. of five, which makes um, flanking or getting behind them a lot easier, I would assume. Uh, you just draw two straight lines from corner to corner. I think it does. I think the thing. whole attitude of uh, empty uh, empty ranks uh, not existing uh, also. Uh, well, maybe it go. I, I don't remember if those uh, half ranks or whatever count for combat dice later on, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe it may. The answer is kind of. <laughs> the answer is kind of. Uh, yeah, but I think it makes it. it may, may, you know, I'm not that much of an expert on the rules to say if it makes it easier or harder to shoot at them. Hmm. If you if you have a, a four man rank that they, they can't draw line of sight towards, which is with the next point of line of sight. A line of sight was was simple enough. I mean, I like to draw from the leader, and then if the leader can see an unobstructed view of like at least half of the yep. front rank half is rounded up i'm pretty sure well you have to you you go you have to draw to the half of the miniatures in the whatever rank is closest i guess but yeah. at the end of the day it's like a fantasy it's like a fantasy rank at flank so not that line of sight really matters much so i'm glad they didn't complicate it much and uh Centering both movement uh, and uh, line of sight on the officer, I, I think very uh, elegantly prevents shenanigans with like movement and positioning and all stuff like that. Yeah, um, it still promotes, uh, you can still wheel the units around, rotate them, move them. 
Unless you go like ham on your um, self-insert critters. Mm. Uh, and then they've got some terrain that either blocks the line of sight. Because large critters can see through smaller critters. Enormous critters can see through smaller critters. Line of sight, check any time. Sitting at the table, I don't like. Because it says, you should agree. And if you don't agree, here are some rules that don't really get fleshed yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. No, nominally, you know me, I hate it every time when uh, games try to trot out, oh, do whatever you want or do, 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 go go about it in a friendly manner and like, no, just tell me what to do. I paid you money. Yeah, I'm, I'm here to win a game, not make friends. Although the scenarios themselves do talk about setting things up and how you should set things up. Yeah, I mean, not every game can have the uh, saga terrain generator. Like, what you're going to do, sue you? You can't. Copyright mechanics, he says, not knowing anything about the law. Uh, and yeah, and then the actual turns. The turns are simple. Um, I, I quite like what they do here. I think it's interesting. Uh, roll for initiative. You roll 2d10 versus your 2d10. Highest individual number wins. In the case of ties, go to the next highest number. And if they're all ties, shenanigans. Yep. Which is fun. And the player who wins is the primary player, which I don't think says they have to be the first player. Um, uh... And even brings up multiplayer games before anything else, really, which is exciting. Uh, alliances, which is just you and your friend versus working as one big army. Or Chaos, where you all roll initiative and then the third or fourth player get to do um, things as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is... I don't know. I kind of like that idea. Like, I've I, I only rarely played the multiplayer games, but, so I don't think it's very much relevant, especially how, with how hard it is to find friends to play to play. Uh, non-mainstream games with you, but it's nice to have the option there. Hmm. It's interesting they put it so early as well. Like the first 10% of the book, essentially. And then we have some dwarf art, which is um, definitely art that exists. Well, I kind of like, like the design of dwarves in this game because they're less, uh, how do you call it, late medieval high-tech than the uh, regular Warhammer Fantasy dwarves, which are always clad in all plate. I, I, at some point, saw a piece of art and decided that I liked the uh, more low-fantasy dwarves that gave more chainmail and leather. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of Golden Axe. Of what now? That dwarf. Ah, uh, the Sega Mega Drive video game. Oh, you know, I know. <laughs> there was a dwarf in it who just wore, like, chainmail, big axe and stuff. It was cool. It's like, these guys look like that. Yeah, I like... think it's probably one of those uh, uh, early RPGs, CRPGs uh, thing. Before, before, mm. before we needed dwarves to be flashy and, uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it has a lot more chain mail than plate mail, which yeah, is always yeah. exciting. Um, and then we get to activation, which I think is neat. well, it's alternating activations, and yeah, it does say that the primary player is the one who activates units first. Which is yeah, so you can't be like, aha, I won, you can go first, which is always funny. Activating unit is you roll two dice, trying to equal or beat on either of them. Uh, the unit's activation score, I mean. So unit with activation score of 5, you need to roll a 5 on 2 to 10, which is pretty likely. It's a, it's a lot more it's, a, it's a lot more important for, like, you know, uh, the goblins and orcs, which are worse at activating. And it's really good for uh, elves, who are really good at activating. Yeah, the goblins start at 6, I think, for yeah. the big guys. I mean, I think... I think and then go up to, like, I think goblins have 6s on everything, so... Yeah, orcs look to be uh, activate 6, activate 7. Yeah. It's not a huge spread, apart from elves being massive outliers. Oh, no, so 3 for elves, 4 for dwarves, 5 for humans, 6 for 
um, the yeah. baddies. I mean, it, it, it's there are some nice bits there in that, like, you know, we are rolling 2d10, so we are not screwing yourself out of an activation on a single dice roll, which is, I guess, you could talk about the curves and probabilities on. Yeah, and even if you fail the activation, you can still make an action, and that action can be, like, two charge. Yeah, it's a simple... You can only do a simple action, which is, like, you know, I think this is a rule almost straight out of Epic, because Epic had that. If you do, if you if you fail to activate unit, it can do only a simple action. Only it had a bigger impact since, like, you know, in Epic, you could, you could if you successfully activated a unit, then activate another unit, and if you don't, the enemy activates a unit, but... Like, you know, we're not recreating fantasy epic. Maneuvers, move actions, with that, that aren't charges, and shooting attacks. And shooting attacks have penalties for symbols. Um, the actions are what you might expect. You can take two actions, or you need to take up to two, with some exceptions. Some have special actions, and units don't have to use all of their actions before their turn is over. So you can activate a unit and just have it do nothing. Which is sometimes exciting. I mean, if you want to hold the line and, and you want to uh, force the other player to run through his activations before you activate your real important units. Yeah. Or, or waste an attack. Like, if you don't want to fight them and they want them, you want them to fight you for yeah, some strange yeah. reason. And there's an optional rule where there's no rolling for activations in the first turn. Everyone just gets to walk forward. Which is like, just have them start further forward. Right. <laughs> yeah, just... If the first turn doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, you can say that first turn matters somewhat in the, like how you do maneuvering, but considering how small the tables yeah. usually, how small the tables usually are, and cramped at twenty-eight millimeters, it's not like you can pull off grand sweeping flanking maneuvers in a single turn. Yeah, even if you're on, um, even if you're cavalry moving eight a turn, at most you're moving twelve, which is still a long time across yeah, the board. Yeah. Well. It's not chain of command with uh, jump off points, and it's not kill team where everyone has range on every everyone and starts within visual range of everyone. So you know, it's it's good that the rule is here, but I don't know how great it is to make it optional instead of saying like just do it. Yeah, the first turn is this maybe, but I'm sure he knows what he likes to play. Uh, I mean, man made a few. Uh, yeah, the, the actions are we've got. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, I was going to say that the man was the man has made a few games, so he definitely knows or likes what he's doing. Hmm. Well, hopefully, more power to him. So yeah, I don't know if there's too much to talk about movement, though. I find the that the terrain rules are placed uh, placed in in the middle of the movement stuff to be a little strange, but maybe it's better that way. Maybe I mean you know where to refer back to, but having it again, I don't think putting things twice is terrible. That's just me. Um, you can move, which is your movement stat, uh, forward the entirety of it, or you can move half your movement half the, in another direction. So you can slowly, slowly like, circle straight <laughs> And if you want to use both actions to move, you can. your second move is that half its move stat rounded down. So humans can move nine forward, and Dwarfs can move six. Yeah, yeah. Because dwarfs are four. I mean, dwarfs are five, so that's seven and a half versus yeah. nine. Yeah, they're not huge. Yeah, but uh, it's nice that he gives an example of like how uh, how how the movement rules would work with human infantry. 
Hmm. Good examples abound of this game. Uh, obstructions or terrain, um, which you would expect. There's rough ground where movement costs double. Yeah. Yeah, so if you've moved, you've halved it, and you've doubled the cost, don't move through rough ground. Uh, obstacles are also kind of your cover and concealment for being shot at. We can have them be impassable where no one can walk through them. Or climbable where it's double movement, but you can move vertically. You got woods. Woods seem to be either really good or just not at all. I mean, woods are like, like one of those things that you'll find in every game, and every game treats them either very similarly or extremely differently. The one thing I didn't like was with the climbable obstacles that you need to. Uh, measure like distance for climbing climbing walls and stuff i think in a game where you where you're pushing around units of 20 dudes you could just like ignore small walls uh, when it comes to movement yeah you've got your um leader man to measure from as well there's no mention of uh um unit trays that i found doesn't mean there isn't but i don't want to move around 20 (laughs) 20 orcs over a two inch wall that would be a nightmare (laughs) Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and if you run off the board, you can just killed, which is helps the enemy. I yeah. Guess. Sorry, uh, maneuvering uh, is interesting, or at least it approaches being interesting. Well, uh, it's a necessity in these rank and flank games because if you're not, if you're, if you don't really have you rules for uh, the way unit changes position and like pivots and whatever, you're not kind of playing rank and flank. Yeah, just moving your blood for guys around. Playing there with a of guys. And we're back to Sigmar. Yeah, so maneuvers. Yeah. Aren't a move action. So you can do your full move and then maneuver, or maneuver and then do your full move. You can't maneuver mid movement though. You can't maneuver into an enemy. Also, you can move through friendlies as long as your movement doesn't finish on. Oh, move through friendlies. So you can't finish on a friendly unit. Like in every game under the sun. Well, sometimes. Batman game, you can't walk through friendlies in second edition. That was a nightmare. Uh, well, yeah. It, it, Technically, you can't walk through friendlies and kill team too. But. Uh, yeah, so you get your pivot where you just rotate around your boss and then almost recompose it afterwards. Because the unit's fate, unit, the opposite never moves. He just yeah. rotates. Uh, wheeling where you pick a corner and rotate around that. Uh, and then about phase where you just do a quick one. Which is where you'd really want to have that movement tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, shooting. Then this is you make a shooting attack, which is covered later. You can only shoot once per activation. Yeah, I think yeah, I think charging is covered under movement. You move into someone else, and that's a you can move into. Yeah, combat. and then you then it's special abilities, which are special, and it's simple actions, which is like basically all the non-fancy actions, which is maneuvers, moves, and shooting. Yeah, but you can't move into combat, which is a choice. So yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, so it's it's simple actions are every action except for charge, oh. or special actions. Was there was there a charge as a special action? Or I thought it was just movement. Oh, see, uh, charge essentially is moving into okay. combat. You move your movement into someone else. There is no charge action as a word. Okay, okay. I guess it means you can't move and then move into fighting, which is fine. Oh right, right. Uh, it, it says explicitly is... provided you don't move into contact. So yeah, simple actions yeah. is basically everything but charging. Yeah, and special actions, <laughs> special abilities, which is just a weird, a weird way of phrasing that. 
besides, not that not uh, combat is not yeah, that many units get them. It's usually for monsters and heroes. Yeah, they seem really rare. Yeah, for fa- for a fantasy game, it really is lacking in fantasy. Oh, like no, no. Thinking about it, special abilities are things like um, using artillery, bracing for combat, uh, using command. I guess. Wait, no, command is something different. Oh, you might have special abilities that give you a special action. That's... Well, special abilities are that, like you know. Some of them are some some of the some of them are just passives, so you don't really use them. So yeah, I guess it's just a catch-all term for anything that isn't a, isn't a simple action and a charge. It's it's fine, like it's what you expect. There's nothing really missing. I, I mean, it's of. a generic rule for a generic Apart game. Maybe like a rally, but that's in yeah. <laughs> uh, combat, yeah. Moving on to combat, the meat and potatoes of these kinds of games, after rotating wildly and hoping for the best. Yep, yep. So you've got to move into combat. You must have line of sight before taking the move action. You can't move through friendly units if you're attacking someone else. And unless both these conditions are met, you can only move to within an inch of an enemy. You can't move into combat with an enemy while making maneuvers. So you can't pivot into fighting. Because that would be silly. Uh, and then when you attack them, you basically move your commander up. Uh, you cap sergeant up? What's it called again? You move your, your hero up. He picks a flank, and you align with that flank, and you attack that flank. Yeah. And then you immediately fight a round of combat. Yeah, and, and then it's all counting uh, how many ranks you have, which uh, gives you how many dice you get, yeah. times the uh, combat dice. Well, no, you get combat dice to every model in the first rank. Oh, right, so... And then if you're being flanked, your combat, your... Uh... Right, you get you get one dice for every unit in the front and then you get you then you start modifying your target number right and then if they've got shielding they can use shielding which takes a dice away from both of you uh and you always roll at least one combat dice even if you reduce it below zero yeah so if you've got an incomplete rank and they attack you in that rank you haven't got a rank so you don't get any dice but you get at least one dice and they shield and you lose that dice (laughs) haha and then you calculate the target number which is what you're rolling for their defense so you have their defense so we used the human stat line which was oh so boring yeah, human of nine, fighting, uh, fighting you know, a human of fight two, with full ranks. So the number, so the modifier to target number is full ranks is minus one for each full rank after the first. So if you've got, you know, twenty guys all full alive charging into you, your defense of nine goes to six. Yep. Uh, if you're attacking um, the rear or the flank, it's um, that would be a five even. If they're defending their rear arc. What? Hang on. Well, if you hit them in the rear, you you lower the target number. <sighs> well, raise the target number. I I think this is when you're you are the defender. Your the target rises because yeah. So if you're attacking the rank of flip, then it's harder for you to fight back if they yeah. So not always apply all the time. Yeah. So if you're attacking uh, if you're attacking flank, you get a better modifier. But if you're attacking uh, rear, you get a better fire, and then the uh, the defending unit gets a uh, negative modifier for uh, their defense. So, you know, uh, charge in the rear. I think the... Out- the yeah, defenders control cover. Yeah, I think the most interesting part about the calculating time and modifiers is that uh, you, when defending, like if somebody charges you, you get a negative modifier if the unit defending has already fought in that battle. So. I guess 
it uh, it puts uh, a so, sort of uh, emphasis on which units you really want to activate and when. Like ideally, you probably wouldn't like ideally you probably wouldn't want to charge a uh, unit that hasn't already activated uh, because then they would be able to defend better. But you have to wait. Uh, uh, that against the necessity to charge a non-activated to charge a non-activated unit to prevent it from doing whatever it wants during its own turn. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's not as clear as I would want it to be, but it's only because it's doing the math in the way that my brain isn't good at. <laughs> I can do dice percentages. I can't do simple <laughs> addition. Sorry, it's my dyscalculia. Yep. And the um the penis rock below that is good for a laugh. Uh, yeah, maybe it's one of those uh, oath marks that keep getting mentioned as a thing that supposedly exists in the setting. Apparently they're important. Uh, yeah, then once you've worked out what numbers you need, uh, you roll your dice. If someone's got roll, uh, wild charge, they can re-roll. And if they do that, their opponent can also re-roll. That's, That's uh, <laughs> really, really probably comes up if you're playing orcs because every orc has wild charge on them. Yeah, but if you're playing orcs, all of your guys have wild charge. That's, that's yeah. fun. And then you determine... Cool to pay for a bonus for the enemy. I guess it's... Uh, uh, I, yeah, when you think about it, probably either... Uh, you probably do it when you really want to overkill and wipe out a unit or something, when there's little risk for you, because if you're charging into a unit that's somewhat close to being your capability, that just gives them a free reroll to mess you up. Which is important because this game doesn't uh, consider a regular hit to just be a simple hit. It determines uh, if you if you if you meet or exceed the target number, you score a single hit. But if you if you meet or exceed by five, you get two hits. Or if you meet or exceed by ten, you get three. So this means that even if you have only five attack dice, you can still, with really good rolling, mark 15 guys with those five with those five dice. That's before your champion. Oh yeah, that's... Champion and hero dice, you'll do the explaining, but at this point, I'm going to say that I'm <laughs> not a fan of adding stuff to dice after you've rolled them, because like reading regular dice after you've thrown them is already stressful brain fucking enough. If you can get their target number low enough, then you can much more easily wipe out a unit. And this seems to reward you for winning. I think it's probably it's, I think it probably encourages using magic because like with defense usually being somewhere around the nine, it's not not that not that easy to roll that high to have like to you know to score three hits. It's easy probably if you're one big ribbly monster, but not for for the yeah, like if you're a dragon with fight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're a dragon, yes. But if you're a regular <laughs> doofus human with fight two and a single combat dice, you're not doing much. Every hit, every point of damage has to be because um, a figure being removed or multiple or figure taking multiple hits. Yeah, this is very frustrating where you don't get armor modifier, you don't get you know armor save. It's just you you got damaged, then you got damaged. That's it. Did you buy the one special defensive armor? Oh, you didn't. Oh, that was silly. <laughs> oh. 
you couldn't find 20 points to give you guy a 7 plus save? Well, it's, it's your fault. <laughs> Sucks to be you, I guess. Next time. And you then know. you get to do a morale test if you take casualties, which is like, again, an, a necessity and a good part in any game that is in an age of Sipar. This one doesn't have sympathy deaths, which I'll probably mention in every game we'll ever discuss. <laughs> and there's... Uh, also pushback, like in Saga, so that your yeah. units wouldn't get st- stuck in melee. Okay. You push back one inch or six inches, that's a, that's a big push. Uh, yep, yep. I mean, it's interesting to have a choice of how far you want to move the enemy, but... Well, you know, maybe... Yeah. I wonder if it's possible to ping-pong an enemy unit into a better position for another unit that you have to charge them. Well, it's it's straight back, so if you hit someone in the flank, you can generally do it. Flank or rear, even. Just like you can... Cover charters. You yeah. can recreate bullies pushing uh, Bart Simpson around, but uh, with uh, st- stacks of orcs <laughs> and uh, elves. As should we all. And if the if the uh, two units tie the number of hits, they both be back yep. in Which has a ripple effect, because if any other friendly units are there, they have to move as well. It... it you can't push yeah. them off the table. Ripple effects are always interesting, though. I guess it's it's a bit more gentle when it's unit by unit and not miniature by miniature, like in the Middle Earth uh, fantasy battle game. And then there's a round of combat example, which has uh, humans fighting uh, dwarfs, and it's not entirely <laughs> that, that interesting. Like, it works as it works. Yeah, it shows... Well, how it works, but doesn't demonstrate any of the additive issues that come from the combat modifiers. It's just rank. It's just ranks and uh, fight value versus ranks and fight value. Want to stop them from the defenses rather than like wolf scars and cover. What does mm-hmm. that mean? Which could have could be there, but it's not. So, whatever. Oh. Great, great old cart. That guy for bow looks so bad. <laughs> At least they explain shielding. Yeah, shooting is so weird. Which is, well, basically the only way you can remove dice except for, like, you know, charging into a flank or murdering the guys so much that the front rank is, like, four guys. And if your TN is greater than 10, you get to reroll any 10s. And any 8 or higher get to do a damage. Well, those are sometimes, ne- those are sometimes necessary in games. Uh, uh, and... Like I, th- I, th- I think, I think even bolt action has uh, ha- has a rule for that for very unlikely hits. They have you need to roll a six and then a four plus, or it's a six and a six plus. I, I, which I think might be easier. At some point, I, I think why well, there there was a game that uh, uh, asked you to roll a six and then a number depending on the like you know. Access number above the uh, above the uh, re- re- regular target, so hey, no, it works. It's here, and then we get uh... yeah, because it's a ten percent chance followed by a twenty percent chance, so it's like almost the same. <laughs> oh no, it's not. One in thirty versus one in thirty-six. Oh, it's hey, slightly worse. For someone who's who's into these games, uh, I'm not that great at math. <laughs> I'm here to do math. I'm here to use computers. It's great. Yeah, that's 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 why I enjoy playing 
Field of Glory on the computer and Lock and Load Tactical on the computer because I don't have to keep all the rules in my <laughs> head. I don't have to add modifiers. Mm-hmm. So the computer does it and then I lose. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic feeling. And then... Then 12 hours late realizing you lost the first turn. <laughs> it's great. Well, it, well, the first turn loss is a lot faster than doing it physically. Well, that's true. It's not much less <laughs> set up. Uh, and if they're in defensive works, going back to this game... Woods aren't defensive works, but ruins probably do. Discuss this with your opponent because we don't want to decide yeah. things. I, I, <laughs> and you can only push someone out of cover if they've lost the morale as well. So yeah, if you somehow end up with fortifications on the table, if you are one of the few people who had the money to buy Warhammer Castle like 20, 30 years ago, you might uh, employ these rules. Shooting attacks work much the same as... Uh, your close combat fights. Yep. But the difference of shooting is even more unopposed. There is... If someone's shooting at you, it's a bad time. Yep. Just don't get shot. That's rules for life, really. Don't be shot. I try to I try to keep the one, ah. this one close to my heart, and it has not failed me thus far. Yeah. And units can only shoot the closest enemy within their front firing arc, to which they have line of sight, unless they've got a special rule that says otherwise. And ranges are relatively short. Uh, like a bow's 20 inches, a slinger's 12. Catapults are pretty long, along with ballistas, but for the most part, if you can shoot someone, they're pretty close to punching them. I guess this is uh, to avoid the uh, Warhammer conundrum of what do I do with my whole melee army when the enemy can shoot me while I'm charging at them for free turns. <laughs> well, they can shoot and move back, which is very <laughs> aggravating. That's true. But eventually you'll um, run out of the table. Yeah, determine combat dice the same way. Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be much less being punched in the face. Yeah. But generally, ranged units don't have fighting, so that's not great to be punched when you can't yep, punch back. Yep. Oh, shooting counts versus ranged. I didn't realize that. That's exciting. Well, if if shielding if shielding wasn't uh, uh, you know implemented in shooting, I would be rioting, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, there's only positive or negative mods to the defense value from bits of the rank, the sides of the shooting unit, and then other than that, it's just bonuses to the defender. Or if the person had moved and then shot, they'd get a bonus to the defense. Uh, the defender would get a bonus. Uh, if the unit's disordered, they get a bonus. Wait, what if the victim is Yeah, disordered? yeah, yeah. And then cover is plus one defense or plus two defense of heavy cover. Uh, and same combat... Just same hit yep. results. Equal equal beating is one. Equal exceeding by ten is three hits. That's the same from that point onwards. I think the modifier tables modifier tables would be better if they pointed out which modifiers applies to attacking and defending units more clearly. But as we see, yeah, because they touch upon that in the fight rules, but they yeah. do it once. <laughs> That's it. And then they have a shooting example, and then the art of of it's what fine. probably is an elf. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's one of those characters who, like you know, in in forty k, you take a bolt pistol and a chainsword. In this game, you have to take a longbow and a sword. You can't use that sword, but you definitely got it. Look, if you're a bad enough dude, you'll be shooting that sword out of that longbow. So yeah. Oh, I'll just fight one. Okay. So yeah, morale. Uh, 
it exists and it can cascade by panicking units hitting other panicking units. Well, no. Uh, yes, yeah, so in units, uh, unit mechanically, it's the same activating. Uh, go on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just messing stuff up. Sorry. Um. So, yeah, morale is mechanically an activation test. Uh, you roll two dice, and you're trying to roll equal to or over your unit's activation stat plus or minus any mods. If they pass, that's it. The morale is over. Um, and a ten always succeeds. I don't know if a one always fails, but yeah. And then we're modifying the roll. So for each casualty, it's minus one. So you're taking four casualties, your D10 is now D10 minus four. But if we've got two complete ranks, it's plus one to the roll. And if we've got one complete rank for cavalry or big critters, it's plus one. And if they're being shot at, the roll has a plus one modifier as well. That's... What? That doesn't... Has everything else been roll modifiers? Have I just... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's... it's a... no. no, it hasn't. That's weird. What's weird? So, you've gone from modifying the target number to modifying the dice. Oh. Right, right. Which isn't like at the end of the world. It's just like the consistency right, right, mechanics yeah. or something I would prefer, because it, ma- it makes more sense. Like, aha, I'm looking for a 7 versus I'm looking for a D4 plus 7. Yeah, D10 that would make three. more sense than modifying the roll results rather than the target number. Yeah, and if you maybe fail... It, maybe it's a... Uh, yeah, a unit of 1 that fails loses a health point, which is okay. Probably kills them, but it's okay. <laughs> what? Oh, just, just keep continuing on, sorry. Uh, morale test for units of 1. If they fail a morale test, they lose a point of health. Oh, right. <laughs> right. So, no sympathy deaths, but your hero can die from the, being demoralized. It's too spooked, too spooked by all these yeah, arrows. Yeah. For uh, all the other dudes, it's you get uh, minus one to activation, plus one to target number, minus one to morale, and if you and if you get uh, and if you fail morale again, you become broken, which is a fancy way of saying killed. Move yeah. from the table. And if you and if uh, a unit uh, dies from fright within eight, eight inches, other units can uh, have to take morale tests. And if some of them are disordered and they die, then the other units can do it. So it's a less cinematic way of showing uh, an army's morale collapsing. Yeah, and if the king or a prince or general is killed, you make brawls straight away. Yep, yep. So it's kind. I think it's okay. I think it's okay as far as rule goes. Yeah, I think it's a simple way to do it, and there's nothing wrong with this being like, no, it's doing it bog standard. Either you're negatives or you're dead. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it doesn't have the cinematic feel of moving the miniatures around when they're routing, but you know, it's less clutter, maybe. No. Hmm. Any can always like try and recover units of disorders and give them morale tests. I mean, you. Well, I haven't seen a rally action. Yep. That could just be uh, an ability that a special special guy has. Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm happy as long as morale rules exist. <laughs> and they're real morale rules where units get more efficiency as they become dispirited and not just, uh, you know, my friends died, so I'm going to die as well. Yeah, this guy had money, so... Oh, well. <laughs> Guess I'll die. <laughs>
Everyone, everyone is yep. a spot. And then the game ends if you are, if you slaughter the enemy, unless you have scenario rules dictating otherwise. And uh, all of that ex- ex- exhausting shit was uh, just the basic rules. Then we get into advanced rules and characters. And uh, can you explain the basics of characters? Uh, yeah, our characters are not a nightmare. But if you played the old independent character rules, um, they're very similar. Uh, they can be commanders or champions or spellcasters. Champions replace your sergeant guys. Um, commanders have extra stuff than being champions, and they don't pass on any of their special rules. Which is- I think that since basically all of them count as. Uh- uh as a character replacement like you know kings and champions and whatever it's okay that they gain the rules of the, it's it makes sense that they gain the sense of the, the rules of yeah, the unit fine. and uh, not the other way around but i think it's a i think it's a good way to uh, i think it's a good way to have them work and it's not that they lose that much effectiveness if they're part of the unit because then you move into the whole champion dice and how you use champion dice in melee. Yeah, and once again, weapons don't matter. So you can you can convert up your king to be armed with whatever you want. He's only throwing in one die. Yep. Uh, unless this is otherwise. But yeah. Two swords, three swords, 18 swords. This big quiver, <laughs> that's fine. Model it up how you want, which is fine. Swords for legs. I think... Th- yeah, and then you use the stats of the fact the squad you're in rather than the character's stats. Yeah. Unless he wants to fight alone. Yeah. And uh, and, and this is fi- this fighting alone it comes somewhere close to like you know I'm go I'm going to repeat myself but Warhammer uh, like you know character fighting rules <laughs> because they can fight they can either fight to fight the unit or uh, they can uh, they can. Uh, Challenge yeah. the other one. Though the most efficient ones at this are champions, which replace regular one regular die with the champion die. Yeah. Before that, you have your commanders, so you can activate multiple units within six inches, one per stat of the command trait, and they roll extra dice for their activation, which is very exciting. So command two, you can attempt to activate two units after activating the first one. So you, you, do, you complete one unit's activation, and then you can break the order of turns by having two more go. Yeah, and then you can't... You can't string command along, which is fine. Like, that would be incentivizing taking more command, which is, I guess... Well it's, a good, well, it's a good thing that commanders are usually really expensive. And they use the commander's activation rather than their own. Truth be told, I really don't much care about like you know those champion and champion dice, which is which complicates which complicates stuff, and uh, I don't know how necessary it is to even have the option for characters to run around as a single dude as opposed to uh, you know replacing a unit champion. Yeah, because put a champion in the unit, they can fight by themselves with all their cool stats, and they've got twenty ablative wounds. Yeah, because like, heroes still get removed last unless, like you know, whacked in a special heroic combat. Hmm. Um, and their 
combat dice are just straight up better, like the champion die, if you equal the beat you do plus one hit, so they do two hits, three hits, or four hits, yep. which is pretty bananas damage. Alright, oh, so the champions are the ones that can either damage the enemy unit, or directly the officer. So yeah, uh, so they, they, they're the ones, the, the, the champions are definitely the ones you want if you want to snipe wizards and kings that are hiding in the unit. Yeah, I think then you're rolling against a king's defenses, which can be a lot harder than weeding out the unit. And, which is, yeah, which is a choice you get to make, and choices are exciting to get to make. Uh, more art that looks... Uh, I don't know, we'll do call that sandwich later. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, and then if an officer dies, you get to replace it with a uh, super plebeian, a temporary officer who only rolls one activation dice for morale and activation rolls, which is not good, not good at all. Yeah, but uh, then the that's the last death of the an officer you'll experience the whole game, and I'm glad they included the death of the officer in the advanced rules because in uh, previously, like the officer was like more of an administrative game keeping thing rather than acting like a real officer so uh, you getting worse activations for that I think that, I think that's nice I think that's that's not the end of the world either because you still no one has really it's like 40% chance to fail it's like the worst chance you have and also you need a 40% chance to succeed is yeah. the lowest and, you get. In, and at the end of the day if the enemy doesn't really have Champions or champion combat guys, they won't kill your officers, so you know. Spells seem okay. I don't know, I don't I don't care. I think Wizards is dumb. Wizards <laughs> ruin everything. No sense of right or wrong. Uh yeah. Well spells it's just you have that many dice to roll and uh trying to equal a bit the casting number of the spell that you want, which if you played Rosgrave, you may recognize some of these. <laughs> no rules that only grant XP for spells that kill people, though. <laughs> no throwing units around, though, sadly. That would be very mm. exciting. Splitting and joining units, so no you walls. can, like, merge depleted units and stuff. Uh, you can also leave a bit of a unit, so if you want... To, if, you, if you, for some reason, want to create a doomed rear guard, you can do that. Yeah, split up your horde of orcs, or your ogres, sorry, go and beat up individuals. Yep. Or you can reform your um your shattered ogres together, which is also... That's fun. Like, it's the sort of slow uh, death spiral it can be avoided in, in some ways by this. Like, you lose an activation, but... You might get five vanilla rank to your squad, which can be not different for yeah, yeah, I mean it's better to have at least a full rank unit. Like if you if things are really going badly and you have a unit of two and a unit of three, then you can at least join up and have a single unit that gets <laughs> that doesn't get the not even full full first rank penalties. So that that that, that is neat mm. and uh, and I think it maybe should have been placed somewhere more. Uh, uh, nearer to the start of the rules, rather than uh, rather than the last yeah, thing before. I think this should be prominent, like basic rule. Yeah, yeah, and defense one. Uh, but it does make for a more complex game, so I can see yeah. why it's here. Then it's on to monsters and artillery. Yeah, monsters don't get benefit of command. They have lots of special rules. They also roll champion dice as one of the combat dice. 
And then artillery, I like uh, shooting attacks, but they're different. Well, characters can't join them. Yeah, artillery gets combat dice as modifiers, so like you know, they get more dice if you if you are shooting a bigger a bigger enemy, which is they get a dice per rank, and even partial ranks count. Uh, they get a dice if the unit is large or enormous. So this is like when shooting at dragons, and you get whooping two dice if you're shooting at flank or rear. Yeah, if you can get your artillery behind someone, that's going to be a bad time. I mean, there's probably, like, you know, uh, simulating those things that we know from Napoleonics and stuff, but, like, bouncing cannonballs, squishing mm. people. But cannons don't exist in this game, so <laughs> what do I know? Not yet. I mean, I'm sure catapult rocks didn't just fall yeah, apart. Yeah. Um, I guess you're just rolling versus the default defense, though. So shooting elves, you're trying to beat defense 10. Good luck with that. Yay, I've got nine dice. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Let's go, Yahtzee. Yeah. And then there's an aside about magic items, which says, like, well, you know, they exist. Look up in the appendix. And they're, they're fine. Like, none of them are exciting. Every faction has access to the same magic items, so you'll see the same magic items. Thanks, Age of Sigmar. Um, uh, like, yeah, like 30 points for an extra spell is pretty good. Um, yeah, but... Then, uh, 75 points to, to extra half range to command. But yeah, but none of them really, like, you know, catch the attention. I, I read through... I tried reading through the spells, and I read through the items, and it was like, wow, this stuff definitely exists. Like, the effects of spells are less exciting than what you find on a Saga Age of Magic or just Saga board. So, And in Saga, you get those without having a special Snowflake character for that, and here you have to buy an expensive wizard to get access to it. Well, you can buy Age of Magic wizards as well. Yeah, and that goes... Uh, and in Age of Magic, that goes above and beyond your, uh, like, you know... Yeah, then you get two bullets. Yeah, you get to go absolutely insane. Yeah, spells aren't interesting. Yeah. I can shoot zero, combat dice five, shooting attack against the unit. Cool, I'm defense yeah. eight. Go away. Ooh, I'm gonna... Your terrible artillery isn't exciting. Ooh, I'm going to add a single the single result of my attack dice or something. Fine, like... Yeah. Or I'm going to turn my officer into a champion. Uh, yeah. The spells in this game are to magic, like magic weapons are in D&D. It's a simple modifier. It doesn't feel magic at all. And it doesn't even have miscasts table. You don't, I know you don't like those things, but I like miscasts and, and basically everything, especially when there's a... and they, Especially if they can, if they are, you know, if they can result in misadventures, exploding mages and other stuff. But, so yeah, it well, you miscast are the next page, so you get that. Really? Kind of. Uh, if we roll to activate and we both roll the same number, we get to have strange and catastrophic events. Oh, yeah, they remind me of uh, stuff yeah. in, uh, whatchamacallit, in the battle group where, like, you know, you can roll for a plane to appear. Or some of the... Uh, are some of the better uh, optional rules, uh, well, not optional, campaign rules in Horus Heresy, Age of Darkness? Yeah. But, um, none of these are game-changing. I mean, a free champion is nice. Yeah. 
Additional shielding this turn is nice. I I I like the ancient oath mark because it's one of those things where they still trying to make that uh, where uh, one of the one one more place where they are trying to make oath mark a thing, and and uh, and it also has an explanation of what an oath mark is. It's a uh, it's a mark of what? This is the first yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. You'd think a game called Offmark would explain what an Offmark is before page 71, and it wouldn't be an optional rule. So yeah, an Offmark is basically a flag or a stone or whatever shows that you are dedicated to some power. Woo. That's no bigger than 6 by 6 inches. That's enormous. I mean, yeah. I think Offmarks exist uh, as objectives in one of the scenarios, but like... Yeah, now that you mentioned it, a 6 by 6 off mark is a goddamn building. Yeah, like that's that's as big as the ruin you're hiding behind. Yeah, this castle, oh, it's by off mark. It shows that I'm really loyal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. I'm a really special boy. Oh, this box is actually duplicated in the earth mark section, this scenario. Okay, okay. Okay, so that's catastrophic and whatever events. And we are finally done with rules. <laughs> Kind of. Oh, yeah. Page 74 of 194. Now we get to the fun part. The meat and potatoes. This Army building. Bangers and yeah. mesh. So the basic method is like you just agree on points and you buy units on points. Each, each miniature costs points, whatever. This is what everyone has done in basically in any game since the start of mankind. Like, yeah, boring. If you're playing yeah. a game and doing this kind of army building just like that, uh, why are you playing this game? You could be playing literally anything else. But the real thing why I was interested in Oathmark, and I guess everybody is interested in Oathmark, is creating a kingdom. Which is... Yeah, that's, that approach is being interesting. Yeah, it is interesting because you uh, basically draw a map of several circles, and the innermost circle is your capital, and then you can get to choose territories based on which circle they're in. And uh, this allows you to build your own kingdom. And the territories you have give you different availability of different units. So your core is going to be your capital. And then the uh, the first ring around the capital will have the... the uh, Territories that most match your capital. So if you have the human capital, the territories closest to it will likely be will likely be human type territories. But uh, further out you go, you, the more exotic you can get, I guess. And uh, this means that yeah. So there's three types and there's um, a value yeah. for them. I don't know if it's important to get into the real actual details of rarities and like what circle is and what because like you know. It's 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 somewhat hard for me to parse in text, and it's probably even harder to parse when listening to us. But <laughs> this means that uh, the you ha you are really flexible when it comes to building your own actual faction, because like factions as they are now in the game, they're basically fantasy races, species, species, and uh, you know they have zero character to them. But if you build your own kingdom, you can uh, do uh, uh, Games Workshop lawyers, excuse me, you can forge the narrative. 
so you can say like, oh, this is my human kingdom and uh, this is the core of my human uh, like, you know, uh, army, and then we have some dwarf mercenaries, or maybe we are evil humans who have ex uh, uh, enslaved some goblins, and then we have goblin slaves, and we have bargeists, which is from dwarf terrain list. Like, the special unit monsters that come from, uh, uh, you know, nation terrain lists don't really make much sense because they don't feel very much, like you know, fitted with those races. Like, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't associate Vargas with dwarves. It, or Maybe yeah, or Indrix or Ichis, whatever those are. Yeah, Nakas, that's fun. That's yeah, fun. so uh, and uh, eventually, uh, uh, the territory placement on the map matters where you when you play the uh, campaign. Because a certain campaign attack options only become available if, like, you know, neighboring territories have been already captured and stuff. So, so that's one way that matters. And also, like I mentioned before, mentioned before the podcast, you will like the idea that if you lose a territory to the enemy, you don't necessarily, you don't really lose the unit that comes from there. It only gets uh, a morale penalty. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. So it's, it just costs one more rarity to buy a non-city yeah. matching thing. Uh. So a human would pay four for the dwarf moors, but they couldn't afford that. Okay, that makes sense. So yeah. it's not exactly a death spiral or anything. And there's no nothing like the Necromunda South campaign of aha, I've captured new territory. Oh, it's it's a wasteland. <laughs> Do I get a no, I don't get a Jew. Oh, okay. I guess I'll just not have anything yeah. this turn. Woo! Oh, and you've taken all my stuff again? Oh, that's that's great. That's, that's <laughs> Meanwhile the other guy, haha, I'm swimming with money. Everybody has bolters now. Hmm. <laughs> uh, and you can only have four of the same types of figures, which is cool. So you can't have this five units of goblin wolf riders. I mean, that seems like you should be able to do that. But well, well yeah. I mean, you know, I don't like it that uh, uh, Total Warhammer lets you like just make a cavalry horse, uh, horse archer spam, <laughs> spam list, like 20 elf dark riders or something. So I'm glad this game doesn't let you do that either. Yeah, it also limits your uh, champion spellcasters, so you can't just bring along four, well, a half dozen goblin spellcasters, which would be fun. That would be very fun. Very fun, but for a no, very wait, short summon. Yeah. <laughs> for no... Oh, I'm giving all my guys a wild charge. Oh, they've already got it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the territories limit how much uh, stuff you can bring in. So, you, like, say, you're going for a human, uh, so you're going for humans, say. Uh, the human city, which will be your capital, allows you to bring one human king or human prince, then one human general or two human captains, one human champion, one human spellcaster of one or second level, and then uh, unlimited, which means up to four units of human soldiers, human spearmen, human archers, or human militia. Uh, and then if you, say, want to have a good human wizard, you have to take the Rarity-free monastery, which allows you to take one wizard of up to five, up to up to level five. So I always like it that yeah. uh, when uh, armies army lists are 
more restrictive rather, rather than less because this because it allows for less shenanigans in an army building and it's it would be especially especially necessary in a game like this where you can uh slot the modules of armies that easily if not for the fact that army lists are extremely boring yeah like getting access to dwarf fighters isn't terribly going to change your human army list. i mean <sighs> Getting access to wolf riders probably won't come up if you've already got human cavalry. Yeah, the thing is that most are the, the of the the four armies in the game. They're kind of identical in the they're identical in what units you get. You get the general, you get the captain, you get the champion, a wizard, and then uh, units of soldiers, spearmen, which are like soldiers plus one, archers, warriors, which are elite soldiers. Uh, line breakers, which are the uh, harder hitting soldiers, and then maybe one or two uh, specific units and monsters and artillery. And this goes from species to species to species. So then you get to compare the uh, benefits of taking, say, a dwarf soldier uh, against getting a human soldier if you, like, you know, got the territories. But the differences between them are so minute that it's really boring it it really is you you don't get the feel like you get in say this well this is probably getting old saga age of magic where you can see the army you're going to have or where you're (laughs) already putting your uh warhammer fantasy miniatures into units uh it's just really really bland and say for example when you're comparing the basic human soldier which is probably as boring as a human uh, as a unit gets like you know and comparing the human warrior which is supposed to be a veteran what are the differences between those guys uh the uh, warriors can move move slower they get movement five out instead of movement six they get one more defense and that's it they're two so you're so you're trading one well, one uh, less movement for one more uh, defense, and it costs you two points more. So, like, you know, on a unit of 20 guys, that's like 40 additional points you could spend on something else. Because, like, the human, the human soldier and the human warrior have are otherwise identical. And you're like, great, my elites don't matter. Yeah. You're paying such a premium for such a small bonus. Especially when line breakers exist in every army, which, say, a line breaker has better fight uh, and, uh, and, and uh, like, you know, a line breaker is identical to the human warrior, but he has fight three instead of fight two. And he's three points more expensive, and he, but he doesn't get shielding. Oh my god, this is terrible. It's even more terrible than I when I watched uh, when I looked at it before. Yeah, like an elf linebreaker is okay. Seven points more than a regular guy. That's ten points. Doesn't go. Oh no, that's a lot of like in a unit. That's what twenty guys times ten. Twenty points. That's a whole other unit of elf soldiers. Yeah, that's not worth it. In no way is. A linebreaker squad worth having not having an extra unit of soldiers unless you have to spend the points. Like if you're a crazy person, sorry, if you're a person 
of means and money and playing by yourself and you play a six and a half thousand point game because you're just nothing else to do on a weekend and it's in COVID lockdown and it's raining and you're alone and your computer's broken and the power's out, you could do this and you'd probably have to start taking those big units that don't yeah, I mean, maybe it shakes up differently on the tabletop, but at this point, the differences seem so minute that they that you don't really need to take better units. And this is one thing that I always hate in games when they when there's no in-game benefits for going with elites or stronger units, even though you're you're yeah, like they've got heavy armor. You know what heavy armor does? Gives you one additional armor. Doesn't do anything. Oh, yeah, it does. It gives you mechanically, it gives you yeah. one more defense on a d on a d10. Yeah. So, like you know, which is already counted for. I don't. I I hate that the equipment is there. And yeah, yeah. It's 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 so it's just taunting you with uselessness. And it, I mean, it gets worse than some. Oh, you could have a hand weapon and a shield. Yeah, I, yeah. It's the thing. It's a very weird thing where the game doesn't really price abilities and stat lines very well. Like. The example you showed me yesterday about uh, Goblin Spellcaster against the Elf Spellcaster, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and the human one. Like, which one is the Elf one? Oh, the Elf one has better Yeah, no, but the, the, the thing Otherwise. is where the Goblin Spellcaster is, I guess, the, uh, the more expensive version, despite having worse stats. But he is more expensive, as far as I can understand, because he has the, uh, what's the Goblin rule? Wild Charge? Oh, yeah, Dwarf and Goblin, to be clear. The what now? Uh, the dwarf and goblin spellcasters, and yeah, the goblin one had a. Uh... Yeah, so basically, uh, yeah, charge. Goblin go- goblin spellcasters are more expensive by like ten points at the lowest level than dwarf spellcasters, despite being worse in all stats. But goblin spellcasters have charge, charge, on a spellcaster. Ugh. He is fight one though, so you know you might want hey, to. Hey, and in if there. you pay the. <laughs> 20 points to give them a wolf mount, they can go up to movement 8 defense 10, so they can charge and use that fight 1, combat dice 3, for really good effect, instead of casting spells. Mm. This is not great. So yeah, uh, balance-wise and flavor-wise, it's kind of, the game is kind of not great. I, I guess it's balanced in the sense that all the options are probably the same. I'm sure there is a way to min-max this. But I don't think this would attract the kind of player. Yeah, like... I mean, we already kind of min-maxed it between, like, units in the same army. I'm sure if somebody wants to, they can make the unbeatable kingdom of only getting the best units that are most point-efficient ways of killing stuff. But from reading what uh, Joseph A. McCullough... Sorry for names are bad names said uh, he doesn't really care about games being unbalanced. So, not a big <sighs> This is one of those things that yep. I, I really dislike in indie games or, like, amateur games where they say, oh, this is not, uh, like, you know... Yeah, it's a narrative game. What are you worrying about, like, if your options are just better than the other guy's options? Just don't take the I mean, options. Yeah, I, I don't know on how many levels of sportsmanship you have to be to just go like, oh, I'm going to take this inferior <laughs> unit uh, uh, for the flavor's sake. I mean, sure, it's great if you can do it, but I don't want to do inner balancing, inner policing. I don't, ha- I don't, ha- I don't, I shouldn't be 
my arm taking my taking my army shouldn't be a moral choice, you know. Uh, there should have been an option like, oh, I want to take these guys because they look cool, but if I if I take the the goblin genociders, then the humans won't stand a chance. So I can't take them, even though they're yeah, my favorite I mean, unit. I hate it in every sucks. game. It's bad than like you know those balanced tournament games, if such even exist, and like. It's even worse than the narrative games because, yes, I want to play with my friend, but then I'm torn between, like, what, three poles? Between desire to win, desire to have a good time, and desire to, like, you know, just have a fun game with my friend. I shouldn't have to have a moral quandary as next to my army building quandary and then the uh, playing the actual game. So what do we think as, um, as this game is excuse to buy miniatures? Do you think you would... If someone said, I want to play against you in a game of Oathmark, we're going to play 1,000 points, Mecha Kingdom, A, would you say yes? And B, would you be excited by the prospect of using the Oathmark range of miniatures? Or would you be like, sweet, I'm going to bust out my Bretonians, it's going to be awesome? Well, I know what my answer would be if I had Bretonians, but since I don't, uh, I think Oathmark range has its... Uh, uh, has its hits and has its misses. I think the elves are generally fine, definitely better than mantics. I think the dwarves are generally fine. I really can't excuse the human shields. They are absolutely terrible. Um, I think the goblins will be very much uh, for people who grew up with orcs that were closer to Sam Raimi's uh, Lord of the Rings than, say, uh, Warhammer Warhammer Fantasy 6th or 8th edition, because I remember when they, because I know they had the terrible, stunty fantasy orcs beforehand. So, I can see myself buying miniatures from the uh, uh, Oathmark range, because, but, you know, the official store for that is North Star Miniatures, and you know what's what else is on North Star? That's right, baby. Frostgrave Miniatures, which have humans kits that I that I think are much superior to the. Uh... Yeah, the technician Frostgrave stuff looks. Yeah, really yeah. Good. So, as far as the official miniatures, it depends. As far as playing the whole game, probably not. <laughs> But, but then you scroll down and you see that Victrix is also on the North Star page. <laughs> and Victrix infantry is incredible. Like, get some Dark Ages guys and they'd be fine. It's yeah, fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I did play Saga in the first edition when there was no Age of No Magic. And I had some plastic Vikings and I had a good time building them. I might have been not very good at it, but I had fun painting. Oh, they got to get the great. I, I had fun. Tremendous value for oh, money. Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's the historical thing where they're good value for money when you're not buying from Battlefront. I don't think I don't think I'd buy in this game. But I'm not I'm not huge on fantasy, so it's really an uphill battle for me straight away. Um Ye- The sculpts are fine, but I wouldn't use them for Oath Mark. Um I wouldn't use anything, I guess, from Oath for Oath Mark because <laughs> like, you know, skipping the compliment sandwich and into playing this game, I don't think I'd play the Mark. I think the kingdom building is one idea that you could rip from it, but the rest of it is just very plain. All right, well, compliment sandwich. Um, something yeah. I liked before you hate everything in the world. 
I quite liked the activation system. I think using two dice instead of one dice is just like, ah, oh, makes so much sense. Like, straight away you're eliminating one in 36 chance or one in six chance of rolling the same number. It's like every game you're going to roll the same number. That's good, roll again. That's boring. No. So the two dice done. It's just simple, easy, just solves that. And then shenanigans when it happens. Yeah, I, uh, well, okay. Right, you're right. Maybe it's morally and uh, good craftsmanship to do compliment sandwich. So I'll say that I like how a lot of the, uh, how a lot of the uh, gameplay stuff is tied to the position of the character because like there's less shenanigans about moving the miniatures and stuff. It's like clear cut, almost abstract. So that's great. Yep. I like it. No one's ever wondering who is the guy that you're all wheeling around. Why have you chosen the third goblin from the left when last time was the second goblin yep. from the right? No hiding units from sniping, no sniping, good times. Now, what would you say you didn't like majorly? That's the art, man. I keep coming back to how bad and boring the art is. The photos of the miniatures, I love them. The stage, the, like the fake battles they've set up, Looks so cool, the one on page 149 with like the house and the tower. Oh, it looks dope. It looks so fun. And then I scroll up and I see the Goblin Wolf Riders and I'm like, oh no. And then I scroll up and I see just big orcs and I'm like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> or the page 130 Shaman. It's just, that's someone. Call someone about that. That's not uh, the, the, the Goblins and Orcs constantly being portrayed as like the bad guys and nothing else in the game says they're the bad guys mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's no real like, okay goblins have slaves that's bad obviously straight away goblins are bad guys but the orcs don't I don't know what makes them line up together apart from well they've always been together why wouldn't they be yeah, together the orcs and, go orcs and goblins can definitely be different lists because while they are majorly different and have one having wild charge and the other having charge they're probably slapped together that way because they were orcs and goblins in Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, Kagakokka yeah. design. Oh, so writing. this is some sort of half a secret cow in there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the art could be questionable when it comes to orcs and goblins, especially since these are old school orcs and goblins and they have dark skin. And boy, do you not want to get into that discussion. Uh, what was your thing that you're yeah, negative on? Yeah, my negative point. Well, I am. Well, I am somehow. I, I am alternating between this game having uh, no flavor to it and the fact that the army isn't. The armies aren't exactly balanced. I'm going to stay with the no no flavor thing because even with such generic components that the saga uses this has made lists that are even more generic and like you know i think they could have done more to make armies races species different but they didn't and nah nah it's just like you know this is chicken without seasoning this is unsalted crackers this is generic brand coke i i do not like this does not whet my appetite at all. This does not give food for my imagination. It exists. 
Yeah, and I think that's probably a good thing I'd say about it. Like, it, someone made this and published this and did the layout and edited it. Good for them. You made a, you made a war game. Wow. That's... No, I mean, this is very weird because it's probably the only Osprey game I felt like that about. Because I've read quite a few of Osprey games and I usually like, yeah, I would. Be, this would be very nice to play. Now, to find other players in my country with 100 miniature players, maybe in total. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, yeah, this is like, I guess I won't be sad about not getting to play it because I wouldn't want to. I guess that's the thing as well, like you're saying. There's... I don't know how you'd sell this game. I don't know how I convince my friends. Hey, I've got this war game we should play. It's called Osmark. What do you do? You have a bunch of armies and they fight each other. What else? Uh, you can use whatever you want. Stat lines don't change based on modeling. Yeah, but, you can you have. Know, that's you could have thing. goblins that are almost indistinguishable from orcs in the stat lines. The kingdom making is neat if you want to do that. Let's say this is. So yeah, I I wouldn't play this. Yeah, I I, I I I wanted to say that like you know a compliment sandwich requires a second compliment. So I would have said that I would have I would have chosen <laughs> the kingdoms thing because this is definitely the yeah this kingdoms is the reason why I chose Oathmark as a game to review because like you know it's it was. It, 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 it's an interesting idea on the head. You like you you have the whole map. You block out the territories. You get different units. So like your human kingdom doesn't isn't just a recreation of like the castle from Heroes Four or Heroes Three, where it's just like hey, I have my pikemen and I have my bowmen and I have my guys with crossbow and we're very humans. Or der der, we're probably our uniforms are probably blue uh, because you like you know can force the narrative. For, Maybe I have orc mercenaries. Maybe my dudes invited orcs to settle there because they saw that orcs fight good and stuff. But the kingdom building writes checks that the rest of the army rules can't cash. Yeah, like it encourages you to have this really interesting and thematic and considered list rather than just like, well, I, I took five units of archers because shooting in this game means you take no damage. Mm. It's like, no, I took... I took, you know, the city and then the York City and then, like, the smithies and the dark forest. Like, oh, that's really cool. You can tell a story with, like, the kind of list you want to make or the kingdom you want to make. Yeah, yeah. But it still falls down to that thing of the way I look at these games of, okay, I can take whatever I want. I'll just take the good <laughs> things. Well, technically, the kingdom building limits you taking the good things, but you could eventually drill down to which the good things are, but... Yeah, since it, yeah, no, it, it it could it could use more differentiation between you between army lists and between the units in those army lists, and also not and and also not pricing the goblin wizard better because he's better at charging. But all goblins have charged. It makes yeah, them so good. Uh, goblin wizard, and that's why he's better than the, and that's why he costs more than the dwarf wizard, which is better in every way. Oh boy. So yeah, I I think we definitely answered the question of whether we would play this game. Uh, the answer is no. This was definitely a much different review and a much different game than I expected it to be. 
yeah, I, I sort of walked in thinking like, oh yeah, generic fantasy, it'll be fine. It'll probably tell me about like how, what an oathmark is and why I'm supposed to care about yeah. oathmarks. And <laughs> just didn't, and they never thought to bring it up again. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was like, I did, I, I... If you don't care, man, why do I care? Like, if your rules don't give a shit, it's really, really mm-hmm. obvious. And, and it's strange because you can't really explain, can't really put your finger on what specifically makes it boring outside of, like, maybe not caring about the setting, but then again, not every game has to have a setting. Like, generic rules exist for a reason, I guess, but, like, come on, Mac. I'm not looking for a 75-page introduction that tells me about, like, who the elf kings were and why they're all dead now. But I I am looking for a thing that makes the elf warrior different from an orc warrior, from a dwarf warrior, or, or a reason that I should look at using these rules. Yeah. Why am I why am I using these rules instead of playing say ninth age? Oh, I, I'm sure there's one page rules for like Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And I I I'm 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 convinced that if if the the, the one page guy wanted he could probably make a regular rank and flank game that's much more uh, elegant than this somehow in two pages <sighs> so uh, yeah this, this I guess this does it for uh, Oathmark battle in the Lost Kingdom or lo- was it Lost Ages there's a lot Oathmark battles of the Lost Age the Age was lost because nobody was interested enough to write it down Yeah, so I guess that's that that's that for this game. I hope you weren't lulled to sleep and we'll be back in two weeks with something hopefully more exciting. If Sure back again. Uh where can people find you? Where are you writing reading nowadays? Uh, I'll include the links below, but uh, uh I'm uh, I'm not often published on PC Invasion. I have my own blog at barreldrill.com. I sell shirts on Redbubble, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few other uh, places I leave a mark. <laughs> yeah, I'm Casa. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. That's Casa's Shots. And nowhere else. I have no other Twitter accounts. Don't <laughs> find me. Um, yep. Yeah. I'll uh, have to. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, have the links in the description and. That's it for today. Uh, been uh, nice talking to you about a, a about a very plain game. <laughs> Bye. Bye.